0: welcome back everybody we are here for another episode of comeback stories and today's guest was born with no legs and was in eight foster care homes for the first 17 years of his life during that time he suffered physical abuse mental abuse and starvation but today he's an all-american athlete actor musician a World record holder, motivational speaker, entertainer, motivator, and so much more. Zion Clark, welcome to the show. What's up? What's up, man? It's
1: Glad to uh, have you, man. Yeah, it's good to be here. You know, I think this is my third time in Vegas, so uh, it's pretty cool to be out here. Every time I drive through, it's like I see something different. It's an oh, interesting no. place. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably gonna be in here a lot more, honestly. <laughs> I don't gamble though. So, don't waste your time. Which is crazy. You know, you think I go to Vegas, go gambling. Yeah, bro. People, I've, never, I've never gambled in Vegas.
2: People are just out here donating money. That's why we ain't got no uh, income tax out here because people <laughs> just donating money into the slot machine. Like. <laughs> I know, right?
1: <laughs> hey,
0: we like to dive right in. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you tell us what growing up for you was like?
1: Uh, growing up was it was rough. You know, I'm not gonna get. I don't like getting like digging into like real uh, crappy details. But I, all in all, in the foster care system. You know, there's a lot of abuse and there's a lot of mistreatment uh, to a lot of these kids that get abused. And I, I was one of them, you know, I started right off right off. rip uh, being uh, born, second I was born, coming out of the hospital, I went to my first home and after that, just traveled all over the state of Ohio, all over uh, parts of New York, all the way back to Ohio to Pennsylvania, you know, and it was, uh, each family was different, you know, and it, uh, when it came to uh, the hardships, you know, I was different, you know, and being different isn't something that's, that you should look uh, look down upon but in my case it was always looked down upon because I was the only person like myself uh in my city uh at that you know there's uh, only one out of every uh 300,000 kids are born with uh, my condition each year so that's not a lot of kids uh so with that being said uh growing up was rough I got bullied a lot too and like in and out of school and uh you know I learned how to fight though like along the way sure. and I've been doing that. And, um, you know, sports opened up my, kind of gave me, like, sentimental peace as a kid because I started when I was young. I started wrestling and stuff when I was five years old. So with that being said, I'm, like, it's been, like, kind of like therapy. Uh, So whenever there was anything bad, I got to go to the mat and blow off steam. And then as I've gotten older, it's kind of like I need to be training or I need to be doing something active just so I have peace of mind and it works and that's what's really like kept everything together mm. can you explain
0: to maybe someone that doesn't know your um the syndrome is called the mm. caudal regression syndrome yeah it's
1: called caudal regression syndrome uh and it's like it varies to, from like person to person uh for whatever you know like whatever uh level of severity that you have for this condition like in my case i don't have legs for some people there they have more parts of their spine missing or They might have their full spine and like they might just have the tiniest piece missing. And that's all that's all it is. And it doesn't do any damage or any harm. But still, they have the condition. So it's like it goes from a level of just not very severe to real severe, which is would be, I guess, one of my cases. What's what's it caused from Uh, my case? My birth mother did a lot of drugs. So I was like uh, what you call a crack baby pretty much. Uh so I had every party drug known to man in my system when I was born. Uh, so like I, ha- I was more prone. I'm more prone to like, like get addicted to a certain type of drug. Say I did like something like really hard, and like I would, I would have a higher chance of being addicted just because I've already, I was born with it in my system. You know, so like that's what caused my, that's what caused my disability. Uh, but it can happen from any. Uh, many different ways that's what makes it rare you never know exactly what it's caused by every time
0: we come from a world of uh, addiction darren and i have both been sober for quite a while Mm -hmm. and um so this obviously hits home for sure what was it like what's the, um, the relationship obviously if you're in foster care homes was when you came out and had those party drugs in your system is that when you were essentially taken from your mom
1: Born. Yeah, right. Right off, rip. I was like the second I was born, I was uh, placed in a foster care custody, uh, because she wasn't suitable to take care of me, because like she was on drugs when she when I was born. So uh, yeah.
0: You didn't mention anything when we talked about your childhood growing up. The obvious is you don't have legs, but what what was that like? And I mean, you can go there a little bit. This is comeback stories, and I think we mm. asked that question first yeah. because it helps shape. And connect the dots for why you do what you do and why mm-hmm. and who you are today.
1: Uh, you know, just like just like uh, how most people have legs. Uh, growing up, like the way I did, like I just didn't have them. You know, I saw I saw other kids. I would see other kids running, running around, or riding bikes, and so like I would struggle a lot, but like I would I would figure it out. You know, I figured out how to walk on my hands. By myself. I figured out how to ride a bike by myself. You know. Uh took me a long time. Took me a long time to figure out balance. It took me a long time to like get to the level where I'm at now where I can pretty much move however I want to. But like as a kid, yeah, it was it was tough. You know, I was vastly different. I had to move differently. I had to uh think like from a perspective of looking up at everything. You know, that's that that that's my childhood. And if that makes sense, like, imagine, like, you're, like, this kid, like, this, like, this small as a kid. And you're just, like, looking up. Like, the world, the world's huge. Like, when you're that, when you're that small. So, you got to learn, you got to learn how to handle yourself. And you got to learn how to move around. But, like, at the same time, just how I figured it out, what's the, what's, what's the difference? If you took out the fact that I don't have legs, what's the difference between you figuring it out and me figuring it out? Not really any difference.
2: I feel like arriving at that perspective uh, probably wasn't the easiest thing to do when I'm sure there were not only people but things around you that probably remind you of what you can't do. Who was, who was somebody that early on helped you shape your perspective in a positive way to help you start to form a vision for your life?
1: Definitely my, my coach that I had uh, growing up through uh, the wrestling program. Uh, him and his whole family, actually. They're, they're a family of wrestlers, uh, some of the most elite people I know, honestly. And uh, they taught me everything I know in the sport and taught me a lot of patience. And I used to get frustrated, mm. like real, like upset. And I'd be like punching the mat, punching the ground, like just because I, I would lose or get, or if I just had my ass handed to me, you know, that's how I used to, like, I didn't, I used to just not have any control. And the biggest thing for me is having like sense of stability, balance, and like mental mental fortitude. And wrestling really helped build that for me. Well, my coach helped build that for me. Because he would, he would push my buttons and push my limits. And once I would be in that, like, that state where I'm just, like, just, like, you know, off the rails, that he would, like, he would help me rein it in and control it. And if that's, like, same, like, I can feel those, I can feel those ways and, like, feel certain impulses. But, like, there's a difference between feeling them and acting on them. Mm. And he taught me, like, wrestling really taught me that difference. And he was a real big role model for me in that. Because I used to just, like, I, I grew up in the hood a little bit uh, coming up. And um, I used to, I, I got this nasty thing about me when I was young. I would, like, if you made me mad, I'd punch you straight in the mouth without even saying a word. Because if I didn't like how you were talking to me, I didn't want, like, you weren't getting out my face, I would just either headbutt you or I'd punch you straight in your mouth. And I just used to be, like, a wild cannon. And I'm like, and the reason that I fight now is because like having moments like those, like learning from like being all the way back there and now it's looking at myself as a professional fighter and uh, as a professional athlete in general. It's like, wow. (laughs) Don't even recognize that person. And I I really credit that fortitude to that man because I didn't have a father growing up. And he, I kind of looked at him as that father figure. It it sounds
0: like, I'll circle back to a question I want to ask you, but mm-hmm. but a lot of the aggression comes from pain, right? And punching someone in the mouth without even like thinking about it is is it's like a reaction, right And the, yeah. rest, the wrestling sounds so therapeutic because it's controlled aggression mm-hmm. where you have to actually kind of manage it, but you're also able to use it as an outlet and mm-hmm. move some of that energy and move through some of the shit that the repressed pain and all of the stuff that I'm can imagine that you went through in your younger years. but Can you remember, like, what was, like, a real early memory of pain that you had?
1: Shoot. Like, what kind of pain? Uh, Because I I vividly remember crashing my own teeth in with a metal baseball bat by accident as a kid. I'm talking more emotional pain. More emotional pain. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, I don't want to go into it because I don't like to talk about it, but it would be getting removed from my first home. I remember it vividly. How
0: old were you? It's like three. Mm. It's it's probably a gift that you do remember it. Cause my understanding is a lot of the things that we don't remember where I'll just be having a conversation or coaching someone and or even in therapy, they'll be like, I don't remember my childhood, and oftentimes that's the brain's way of blocking out some of the pain. It's a way of like protecting yeah. the fact that you that you remember it. In the beginning it probably wasn't a gift, and today um it is and i think one of your mm. other gifts and i want to bring darren in on this because if you don't know darren's story darren's core wound is being different and i'll let him share a little bit more about that because you brought up you said we were different a bunch growing up right that's that's who you were You
1: i mean i didn't say it necessarily but i just didn't care you know if somebody like were to point if somebody were pointing and looking and like saying like mom that, ki- that guy has no legs like as a kid i would get upset but like i wouldn't go be like going crazy about You know, it was more of just a, okay, cool, you're a kid. Like, the way I saw it, you're a kid, I'm a kid. You got a problem with me? Leave me alone. You know, like, and I've always been like that. Just people who wanted to always press buttons. So then people started getting hurt. And (laughs) either I would get beat up or somebody else would get beat up. You know, and, like, that's the type of reality I lived in. Yeah. So you you had to build this. Like I not like a I don't care attitude, but like you can't like you have to build this like thing about yourself where you can hear you can hear what they're saying, but are you gonna absorb it? Like yeah, no, like you don't want to absorb that type of energy from
2: people. Right. So it's a almost like a balance of what you should and shouldn't give a fuck about. Yeah. Like it's it's you never like I don't give a fuck about anything. Then it's like you just out here kind of living reckless and like yeah, you don't really have any kind of. It's like the
1: balance between like giving, like giving a damn about this topic but like at the same time, like not having a carefree attitude going into it. So you know going in, don't come in with huge ex- expectations. Have big goals. but Don't come in expecting to like be like top, top dog right off rip because it don't work like that, you know. So just come in with like a peaceful, calm attitude, carefree, but also have shit that you do care about and balance it out. Like me, I do a lot of cool things and I like doing a lot of cool things for other people too. But at the same time, like I take care of myself and I don't like people. And that's so crazy I'm saying that, but I'm just being real. I just, I don't necessarily like being around a lot of people all the time, you know? And, but at the same time, I inspire a lot of people and I love putting my messages out there. You know, because there's a lot of life and a lot of truth into what I'm saying and I hope people really Jump onto what like what I gotta say, but at the same time, I'd like to just do that and play my Xbox. You feel? I feel
2: that tugging yeah. more for sure because I mean, growing up, I you know just, I was very, uh, very insecure in in myself, and just I felt like I found like some safeness in just isolation.
1: Yeah, you and, know, you know, it's so crazy because uh, the, there's a saying: you, if you can feel comfortable by yourself, when someone else comes into your life, like it helps creating that that boundary of you're not going to be codependent on that person. You know what I mean because the best the best people that, that stay together whether it's relationships or or like groups of people or a team are the people that aren't just like solely dependent on somebody for a certain aspect in their life. If you can have a self self sense of freedom then you can live on a broader spectrum. No doubt.
2: How did you how did you cultivate that perspective and how did how did that serve you as you uh went on your journey through kent state like what was what was that like oh
1: I learned that? a lot of hard lessons like all the time dude I got my head kicked in my first college match I was going up against the number four guy in the country and I was winning and I got cocky and then he pinned me while he was losing mm. yeah I, that was that was like a real first match of the season at home in front of a like a sold out crowd get just smacked, And uh, that was one of those moments where I'm like, okay, uh, this, something, needs, something needs to happen. Because I was starting to get like, this, these feelings of back when I was in high school when I was getting my head kicked in. And I was like, I don't, I don't need that. Like, I knew I had the ability, but like, you had to learn, especially at Kent State. Uh, being a college athlete's tough. Mm-hmm. Being a college wrestler is even tougher. You know, it's 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 a different standard of, like, doing things. You're up at 4.30 in the morning, mm. and you're running around the track, and it's dark outside, and the stadium light's aren't even on. But coach is there, and he knows you can see. You know, like, like some real, like, they're, like, real. real our coaches are so invested in like like, getting us up and training our mental states. Like, getting us up early like that and making us drill for two hours in the morning before, like, the sun even come up. Like that's that is that's those that those are those hard moments and those hard lessons, and um, you know it, it made you appre it makes you made you made me appreciate the art of truly working hard. You know, in high school, I like I I set myself up to get to college. You know, that was the start, and it was cool like media attention, whatever. But once I actually got to college, man, my I had a real like real big like like eye opener. Like, all of a sudden, wasn't living at home anymore, and I was broke. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm thinking, like, okay, what what, what needs to happen so I can, like, still, like, keep myself floating? So in college, I got a job laying brick, and I went to class, and I went to practice twice a day, and I kind of got myself into a routine. And for a while, I just loved it, you know, and I felt good about myself. And plus, I was I was, like, getting stronger from – I was getting physically stronger from laying brick every day and on top of that I'm lifting in the weight room and I'm wrestling my teammates and doing extra stuff outside of class too so like uh, it was it was just a different type of I didn't we had to you hit a different level of just compete like when you hit that different level of being an athlete this is what like you can tell who's gonna become a pro and who's like gonna fade because in like that college level was like that that final like that kind of final phase of like, all right, where are you gonna go from here? What do you wanna do with your life from here? And so I really like, I didn't I didn't know this was gonna take me to be a, a pro fighter. I couldn't have guessed that five, six years ago while I was in college. Couldn't have, no way. But I'm here now because sometimes you need lessons like that. And those lessons can take years at a time. Sometimes you need lessons like that to propel yourself forward. So when it comes to when it comes to rumble with the big dogs, uh, you're ready, you know.
2: Yeah, and I believe there's there's time needed to really truly develop uh, the the foundation of character that's needed to to be successful. Like a lot of people may want their hand raised high on that mat, but they don't want the discomfort that comes with all the training that you had to do. Yeah, from laying the brick and the mental toughness that's developed in that. Like you need those times, and you need to allow yourself to. It's like a seed being planted the roots have to grow underground where a lot of people won't be able to see it before it comes above ground Mm -hmm. but a lot of people don't want that
1: yeah because people are scared a lot of people are scared of the unknown and wrestling is one of those things that you walk into a match you could have trained something a hundred times and it gets shut down first try you know like that's how wrestling can work and that that level of uncertainty is the reason why wrestling isn't for everybody wrestling is all about com like fighting, physically fighting the unknown. You're 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 you don't not necessarily guessing, but more so reacting at very high paces. Like the snap of a finger, like you somebody could be on their head, you know. So it, it's different. It's a different level of awareness that you need to have, you know. And I'm not saying that like just for pros. Like as I've seen, I've seen kids with a type of awareness that i see in some professional athletes you know some there's some freak athletes out there man. and like having that type of drive like it's good like as an athlete but like that's only going to be like the first 30 years of your life and then you got you got 60 more years to go right you know so with that being said but this these things teach these teach lessons you know as a wrestler man i learned a lot from life um I Learned how to shotgun a beer through wrestling, <laughs> by the way. This, this we're talking college, but right, you know, uh, like I've I've been like wrestling has put me in so many different like positions that I've learned a lot of stuff about life as well as the art of the, the art that I practice.
0: One thing you didn't mention with the being a college wrestler is cutting weight. I'm just curious, like that that on top of being a Oh, I don't student. have to cut
1: much weight. You don't,
2: no.
0: But the process of that, or watching other uh, teammates go through that, like, what oh, are, what are su- the lessons
1: there? Uh, I mean, I support it. I'm the one. Uh, I'm the one that they would wrestle with to cut weight. I'd be like, all right, we're gonna go, we're gonna go into, <laughs> we're gonna do a mat. And we're both gonna get fucking tired. <laughs> you <laughs> know, so we would sit there an hour, like two hours. Homie's in a sweatsuit or just in hella sweats hoodies, and I'm just going. We're just going crazy. And I'm like, every time that he'd be like, all right. Try to take a breath. I get on his head again, and like that's how that's how we helped each other, and like I'm turn that was helping me get better because they're pushing the pace too because they want to be they want we all have the same objective at this point in time you know so we're all trying to get like ext- like we're all trying to upgrade our skills get better you're trying to lose eight pounds which I want nothing to do with so I'm glad I'm staying underweight uh, but at the same time I'm gonna help you get that because I want to see you there with me
0: so you're at Kent state at some point you have a, a decision to you come up with the decision that you want to leave mm-hmm. what what came to that decision what did it take to find the courage to do it having 50 dollars in your pocket and, and and actually making that 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 big big change tell us about that
1: man uh it was it was extremely impulsive. uh I'm <laughs> 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 i would just say that uh for sure um but you know, there's a lot of good things happening in my life at that moment. And Kent State and NCAA being under the NCAA and their rules restricted me from having access. Uh at least at the time to a lot of things. You know, and I was I felt like I was kinda of being stuck and like I felt like I was kind of partially like owned by Kent State at that
2: moment. Yeah.
1: And, you know, I was out here in California for like a week. I went to the Ellen DeGeneres show and then I stayed out here because like my boy, his name is Joey Davis. He wrestled for Notre Dame College uh, in Ohio. He's a four-time undefeated NCAA champ. Dude's nasty. Uh, but uh, he, I was out here like training with him like every day for like two months like out of the summer and it was getting close to next year and I was just was like, you know, like that's when I made up the mind. I was like, I want to pro fight. I want to be a, I want to be a professional fighter. Cause he's now my boy is currently undefe- an undefeated welterweight in Bellator, uh, so I, you know, I was inspired by him and my whole team, you know, that was that's what kind of really did it for me, you know. My coach, his name is Antonio McKee, and he was he told me he said if you're willing to like work, if you're willing to give me all you got, you can stay in my gym, and like this man is ruthless. I've watched him kick somebody out of the gym out of the gym in the middle of a practice. Uh, so, like, he's real serious about what he believes in. He's also one of the best coaches in the world when it comes to MMA, whether it's the UFC, Bellator, or any league that there is. Like, uh, you want that guy in your corner. Uh, so, it really, like, I was a kid at the time, man. So, I was just like, yeah, like, I want to do this. And so, over the last couple years, I've, like, I would be coming back and forth. I was broke. Like started, like, figuring out, like, speeches. I had my boy Craig's help. Uh, He really started helping me, like, piece my stuff together, you know, and uh, we started working as a team. And, uh, you know, my uh, other guy, Tony's help, we really just, like, I started just, like, you know, just, like, figuring out, like, what my purpose was, Mm -hmm. you know? Because in college, I'm not going to lie to you, I was training all the time, I was working all the time, and I was getting drunk on the weekends. And I was just kind of doing the same thing every weekend. You know, and even though, yeah, I'm a, I'm a high-level college athlete, i was bored. You know, like, I was seriously, like, sick and tired of the same thing. And on top of that, uh, there there's a lot of other issues with Kent State that I had. Uh, nothing against the school. I love the school. But, like, I just had my own personal issues uh, that I couldn't overlook. So I had to make a decision. And I remember I was in California, and I told my mother, that I am not going back to college, and I got cussed out on the phone, you know, and uh, rightly so because I was almost done, you know. And uh, the more I look back at, it, I, you know, I talk to my mom about that decision I made, like every once in a while she brings it up, and uh, she's like, you know, back then she's like, I didn't want to speak to you because like she, my mom, my mom's a real one, you know, she wants what's best for me and my sister. And the fact that I was the first, like, Clark in the family to go to college and drop out and not complete it. You know, everybody in my family has gone to college. I'm the first one to drop out, you know. But I felt like I I definitely did things differently. And I think that's that's what was needed, you know.
0: Mm. You're saying your mom. Obviously, it's not your birth mom. Is this your eighth? Foster care. No, no,
1: mom? this is just that's my mom. Like I, we we have the same last name. Like that's my mother, Kimberly Clark Hawkins. But this is your one of the. She adopted me. Like things. I like I'm part of like that's my family. That's You're my mother. Those my sisters. Yeah. Gotcha. But uh yeah, you should have seen you should have seen you should have seen her face on Facetime that day when I <clears throat> I, I Facetimed her, and I told her I was like, Mom, I'm dropping out of college. Hmm. <laughs> Like, so imagine you're in, like, height of your college career, and, like, you just do that, and then you didn't tell your family yet. They made a decision. Then you tell them. Oh, man. I was, like, I thought I was about to get disowned from my family, honestly. But I was just, like, you know, like, but at the end of the day, I was, like, you know, you know what? Like, like, F it. You know, like, why? What, like, well, go see what happens. Worst case scenario, I reapply back for the next sem- like next term, next semester. You know that like that's how I was thinking. Right. Th- that was like five years ago. Look where I'm at.
2: You know, mm. it's, it's not impossible. I heard a um, a pastor I like listening to recently. He said, um, "Fear fear has burglarized more destinies than taking a risk ever has." Exactly. Mm. So you know,
1: most people fear showing up, but like you know, sometimes all you gotta do is just show up. Right. Step
2: step out in faith. Step out on yeah. yourself.
1: Yeah, for real. No, I was tweak I was tweaking for a second. I was like sleeping on a homie's couch. I was sleeping on like I was like just house hopping. Trying to stay out in California as long as I could to set at least something up so I could keep coming back. And I did with the help of a lot of good people around a lot of good people that I got the pleasure of knowing I've had the pleasure of knowing. When did
0: you start seeing momentum? Was there like a shift? Was it a slow build?
1: I would say about like a lot of momentum in the last like two years. You know, COVID really completely squandered any plan that I had initially when it first started. You know, I was starting to really like get around the United States a few years ago, before right before COVID. Like I spoke out here in Vegas at the F45 World Convention. Like I did a lot of cool, a lot of cool shit and like it was really like the steam like it was hot for a second you know what i mean and i was like oh we about to take this to the moon and then you know COVID happened and then within 48 hours i had no source of income you know and i was just like screwed so i went back to ohio again and then with the help of my boy craig we figured out a plan we started doing stuff and then over the time, over the span of COVID, we've like, we set up a lot of things that now with the world being pretty much open back up, we got a lot of stuff cooking on the stove. You've been in a Netflix
0: documentary, mm-hmm. Emmy
1: Award winning. Yeah.
0: Tell us about that. How long ago did that come out?
1: Oh, uh, Like three and a half ish years ago now. Uh, it was just a, a 12 minute uh, little short documentary about my life. You know, they filmed it right after I was like, right after I got done with high school. Uh, You know, I got to speak on some of the things I went through uh, with my mom, my coaches, like my kind of more like my inner circle of people. And um, yeah, I did not expect it to be as big as it is. Uh, I, I'm going to be real about that. I thought it was just a little rinky-dink project that, you know, was cool. Like as, I was like a high schooler. thought it was some was rinky-dink project. I was more focused on getting college, getting that call from Kent State. You know, like that's what I was focused on. Every day I was sitting there just like chilling by the phone. I wouldn't leave my house. You know, just because I wanted to see what was going to happen. And then this thing happened, this, uh, Netflix, this, this Netflix stuff happens. And it wasn't even like Netflix. It was a producer from New York City uh, that came out, hit me up on Facebook. And uh, it was just a little, like, little, like, seven-day project. And then just nothing. Went to college a year and a half later. Uh, pulled, like, my coach hated me for this. Pulled me out of a dual meet to fly me to Salt Lake City for the Sundance Film Festival and uh, won, best, won Best Short Documentary there, and then proceeded to win Best Short Documentary at every single film festival across the United States and in most other countries. And then Netflix got their hands on it. And so that was a cool little process. And the whole time I'm in college, so I really didn't know what was going on. I was just kinda, they tell me something, I'd be like, yeah, cool. You know, so, like just cool stuff, man. And you know, I didn't, ha- I didn't realize the effect it would have on people, but right. now that I'm older, I'm definitely like, man, like, the way, like the things that people have said coming up to me, like not to make myself feel better, but it feels good knowing that, like, you know, my actions, not even without even saying it anywhere, it's just my actions on what I'm doing, is like having an effect on people. It's crazy to think about to me <laughs> sometimes.
2: You're really, yeah, it's it's crazy. I th- I think the same thing with me. Like when I came out and started sharing my story with uh, like my addiction, what I went through. I had no idea that I was giving people permission to uh, pursue their path to greatness no matter what was holding them back at the time or, or what kind of mm-hmm. adversity they were facing. Like, and I didn't realize that I had that kind of power. I didn't yeah. realize that I had that type of impact on the people in the world around me. But, I mean, that's how I really believe in God is because like, with all my best effort, it's like, but with, but with his help, as soon as the door was open, like, look at what my life has become now through whatever, through the, yeah. the, the pit of my life, through what was the worst thing that could possibly ever happen to me, um, is now the reason why people have hope. And it's just like...
1: Exactly, That's, that, I, could, I could repeat that right back to you. I, you're, I, I mess with you, you're, you're legit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's like Darren and I is coming from the world of addiction, it was self-inflicted. Mm. I mean, we can one, we could blame, blame it on whatever, but it's really like, I know we've talked about this, our lives really started to shift when we took ownership. Mm. Of it and just own it took personal responsibility to just like own our past um but yours wasn't necessarily self-inflicted but the bottom line is we're three of us sitting up here three men that are just really we don't know the impact that we're actually having mm-hmm. and because of technology and podcasts like we don't know who we're reaching it does feel good to get those messages it's not validation it's just reaffirming yeah and it's just
1: we're just inspiring people
0: so it's not an ego
1: thing. yeah it's like don't like don't tell me that you're not gonna smile when somebody tells you that you've helped them get up off their feet mm-hmm. you know what i mean like naturally yeah if you're not if you don't feel good that you did something positive why are you doing You know, it's not, it's obviously not positive if you don't feel good about it, you know, but like it's at some level, even if it's something that makes you wildly uncomfortable to share, at some level, you're doing it for a reason and you're doing it not to make yourself feel good, but to raise somebody else's morale and raise their spirits so they can get motivated and get up off their, get up off their feet and do some, do some amazing shit.
0: So then you decide you want to be a pro fighter
1: yeah you just recently was
0: it fairly recently had your first,
1: first yeah that here? was like december 17th one mm-hmm. uh by unanimous decision 30 to t- 30 27 decision is that something that you're you're continuing to do or was oh that, yeah. yeah yeah oh yeah i was just on the phone with my coach the other day uh yesterday actually looking at other options and oh boy that i beat wants to fight me again so Maybe I'll, like, knock his ass out this time if he <laughs> wants to do, like, a trilogy or something.
0: So. His ego might be hurting just a little bit. Oh, it
1: definitely is going to hurt even worse <laughs> if I do this again.
0: <laughs> what are some of the practices, like, to keep your mindset strong? What, we talk about rituals and practices, morning routines. Like, what is your... I, I feel like you got a pretty disciplined, dialed-in system. What does I, that look like?
1: I mean, I don't necessarily meditate, you know. Fighting and stuff is my meditation. Mm. I can put all my energy... Into all this negative energy, into learning how to sharpen my skills, and like I feel good about myself, and I feel like I make clear, more clear-headed, deci- clear-headed decisions to move forward, you know. But like on the other hand, like I don't know, I like microdosing shrooms too. Like the microdoses help me like clear my head. Same. It's like so. It's like I'm meditating, but like actively moving, but like with a calmness with no like hallucinations.
2: no doubt i mean your your life can be a meditation as long as, yeah. you're, as you're present uh to the moment and fully immersed in whatever it is you're doing wrestling yeah walking hiking like no matter what like, it is, like it's like more conscious like
1: i like taking i like doing the microdosing when i'm really trying to like think on certain aspects you know because like just so the microdoses with uh health like the health practices it helps with like PTSD. It helps with um, anxiety. It helps you like really on the most, like most healthiest natural sense, stay like calm, mm. you know? And I'd like to see it more in more places uh, because with my, I've, with my, um, with me using it, I've seen a lot of change in how I think. Uh, just kind of like, you know, it's like there's different forms, like some like higher form of meditation you can get from like different practices you know like for instance i definitely would uh i'm definitely uh, wanting to do a um ayahuasca and really like search my like mind's eye to figure out what i like i truly want to do you know mm-hmm. like i would i would love to have some clearness like that
0: glad you're talking about this because we've we both talked about it and have mm-hmm. even with in our sobriety we call oh, i call it a sobriety 2.0 um, nine years sober did my first mushroom journey a big hero's journey but before mm-hmm. I did it my my teacher and, and friend now Christy shout out Christy she's been such a um, tremendous impact on my life had me microdose before I did the big journey and so this is the first thing I put in my system after nine yeah. years the microdose and I was like oh my god this is what every antidepressant should be yeah you just but, feel the, a little... but
1: these antidepressants make you feel like crap exactly. and I don't know why people sell them Exactly. When there's natural things that come out the ground that could be perfectly suitable.
0: That was that moment I had. I was just like a little bit happier, a little bit more clarity of walking yeah. on the beach. And I'm like, oh, my God. And this is a, it's a plant. E- exactly. You know,
1: a very, a very intelligent plant. Yeah. But yeah, no, that's how that's how I get my mind straight. I either fight or I do that. And it's like it keeps me like it, I feel like real solid. Like, uh, you like you see me do more of my, like, the more, like, when you see me do something really dope, it's because I was probably really focused and really, like, felt really clear. When I'm not clear, you don't see me do a lot of stuff, you know, and then that's when I need to, that's when I need to find, like, figure out for myself, like, I need to, okay, I need to tune back in. I need to make sure I need to, I need to keep on what I was doing, because, you know, you don't want to let anything die out. So, like, you got to sometimes anchor yourself back and keep yourself in place.
2: Mm. big facts I love the um, I love the title uh, work with what you got yeah what um, how has that become a sort of a a mantra for you and people that you helped because I feel like that's such a a good perspective to have no matter where you're at in a particular journey
1: yeah so work with what you got think of it like this the world's always going to be a shitty place don't be a shitty person Mm. work with what you got take everything that you have in front of you Uh, if it's if it's crap turn it into something good. You know what I mean? You have the power to change that. You know what I mean? So you, you work with the things around you, and you don't live by the way of the world. You live by the way of yourself.
0: When you say that, I hear acceptance, right? Yeah.
1: We talk about it in recovery.
0: Acceptance is the answer to all of our mm-hmm. problems. It's accepting. It doesn't mean you have to like it yeah. or think it's fair, but you do have to accept it because it's mm-hmm. happened, right? And that acceptance, there's a there's a whole lot of, freedom there and just being able to um yeah and then as as we gain more tools mm-hmm. and stay in this work the work and the impact it raises even more because you have more tools too much that's given comes great responsibility so to work with what you got like tools that we had 10 years ago was like nothing compared to we have now
2: oh uh, yeah so it, it's sure. a
0: constant accountability action of like leveling up your game we have more. We have more access. The people that we get to have conversations with make us better people and create more awareness. Mm-hmm. So it's just like continuous, continuously leveling up.
1: Absolutely. That's all. It, that's what it is. You know, my book. You know, it sh- it shows the journey of me leveling up from the crappiest situations as I've progressively got older. As I've leveled up, all these different um, things in my life, it's made us it so. You can see it, you know, and that's exactly what, like, the book tells the story. If you close your eyes and have someone read the book to you, you can, like, almost, you can, I want it to, it's going to be in a way that you can visualize what is happening in those moments so you can see the amount of growth, the amount of suffering, the amount of adversity, you know what I mean? And I'm just working with the tools that are laid out in front of me and just navigating navigating life and navigating people navigating different
2: situations and trying to just survive
1: mm-hmm. Hence work with
2: what you got Hey my boy it looks to me like you're doing a lot more than just surviving Yes yeah, I'm thriving I feel
1: like I'm thriving now for sure that's all we all want to do is thrive
2: straight up I think
1: um,
0: working with what you got also just staying on that it's like the um, it's the action step mm-hmm. right It's the tools you have to work with the tools that you have but the tools only work if you, you use them. Yeah. And the more that you use them, the more that you're sharpening, sharpening your tools, mm-hmm. right? Or you're, you gain more tools in your toolbox. But what would you say to somebody out there that um, maybe knows they're struggling? They might be making a lot of excuses. I always like to say when you stop making excuses, you start making changes. But maybe they're just stuck. They're stuck in the story and the bullshit. Um, what would you say to that person?
1: I would say, you know, it's not as bad as you think. Look at what you keep getting stuck on and, like, meditate on it. You know what I mean? Like, for real. I used to have, like, this mental block in wrestling. And I was stuck. Like, I lost over 200 times. Like, talk about being stuck. That's eight years of being stuck, losing. And you got to just learn. Like, you got to, like, calm down, sit back. Analyze the situation. Look at what exactly your problem is. Don't look at what the overall problem is. Look at the exact moment that the problem occurs. What is going on? What's your, what's your mental state like? What's your, what, what's, what, what's physically happening? You know what I mean? Have to, like change the way that you process the situation, you might come out with a different outcome. But the key fact to that is to stay calm. Cause the more stre- the more stress you have in your brain the more of a block you're going to get
2: yes it's such about embracing the difficulty which is you know in our human nature it's not something that we want to do we don't yeah we don't want to sit with what's that fear we don't want to sit with that insecurity we don't want to sit with that uh mistake that we mm-hmm. continue to keep making because we feel like if we sit with it long enough it it means that we fail it means that we're a failure. As opposed to failure being an event, not not a person. Yeah,
1: you know and I I not I need people to understand that more, because I don't get it. Like failing is it happens. Like I failed. I, I fail at shit even now. It's Like I'm not I'm not perfect, you know. So it's not failure when someone's like I'm a failure. I was like, no, you just failed. You might have failed the task, but you yourself you're not a failure. If you were a real failure, that means that. You can never complete that task, even if you try. But just because you failed, doesn't mean that you can't try again and again and again and again.
0: It's all about growth, right? I mean, that's what uh, I don't even really like using that word failure because I don't even think it is. it's not even a thing unless we identify it, right? Because if we're learning and growing from the failure, then it's not failure, it's growth yeah it's learning and that's what we're here to do learn and grow every day that's that whole idea of a growth mindset but it's when we judge ourselves or identify ourselves or attach to an outcome because we failed at something we're a failure that's just a that's just a bs story
1: exactly and that's what people need to get on that people definitely need to start thinking that and and a lot of people also need to start thinking about when they like say they have a job or say that like you're stuck and you are have to go do the same thing every day. Don't be like I have to go to work. I get to go to work. I get to go train. I hate training, but I get to go train. You know what I mean? Like, just verbally saying that could potentially alter your alter your mindset to how you think about it. Like, like in the most literal sense, speaking it into existence.
2: Donnie, what's the what's the stats on uh, when you speak something out loud?
0: Oh, yeah. So when you say something out loud, it's 10 times more powerful than if you just think it. And if you say something negative out loud, it's another seven times more powerful. So saying negative things out loud are 17 times more powerful than just just thinking. So
1: so I was on TMZ and they asked me, How do you feel about Eugene Murray? So this is like negative but positive for me. So I'm going to rip his throat out. And then I won.
0: That's not negative. I'm thinking more negative thinking, more toward negative. judgment toward more yourself. Adju- oh, it's towards yourself. Oh, you're just being oh, okay. real. You're manifesting. Something, okay, that's okay. A, that's a belief system. The negative yeah. is like the the beating up ourselves, basically.
1: Yeah, no, that's I don't like that. You know, and like here's the thing: it's okay to beat yourself up over something. You know, I do it, but here's the thing: at the same time, you can like don't necessarily beat yourself up more than contri- you can critique your own performance, and then get up and move on you know like that's it's as simple as that but it's
2: it's a lot it's a lot it's harder done than said. right there's a conviction of knowing like i know like i can you gotta do better believe, you gotta I, believe I know it. there's a higher level in me and um and that conviction is what's going to allow me to get there so i have to feel something to want to propel me to that other level because if i don't i'm just going to stay in that i'm gonna stay right where i'm at which is where i do not want to be yeah
0: well, sounds yeah. more like accountability. Just keeping yourself accountable. Hell just, yeah, like that.
1: that's why I have no excuses on my back. Cause
0: that's what
1: it is. Hold myself accountable. If I did something bad, hell yeah, I did that shit. So I'm sorry. But like, if I did something good, hell yeah, I did that shit. You're welcome. You know what I mean? Like, right. I just keep yourself accountable for your actions. Even like, try to make good actions. But like, keep yourself accountable. Keep yourself accountable at all times. And keep the others around you accountable, too. That's how you build a strong system. And better hope that those same people keep you accountable. I love that. Because the more more layers of accountability
0: you have, the more likely you are to follow through and succeed on it. And then I believe accountability is the most radical act Mm -hmm. of self-love. Keeping the promises you make to yourself. Just do the things you say you're going to
1: do. Absolutely. There's so many times that you hear someone say, I'm going to do this, I'm going to be a champ at this or something. And you don't see it happen and they just disappear and they fall off. It's like, w- w- like like you just said, where's that conviction?
2: Mm. Mm. Well, shit, my man, you had who knows how many opportunities to make an excuse along the way in your journey and you didn't. And we want to thank you for continuing to make that decision to rise above. And I'm sure there's millions of people out there that have been touched by you. In that feel the same way, bro. So we appreciate you uh, making time for the show, man.
1: Absolutely. I appreciate you guys having me on here. It's been fun.
0: I love this setup,
1: honestly. It's really cool.
0: Yeah, man. Thank you. Thank you so much for showing up, um, shining your light, um, and really being an inspiration for others. I know I'm inspired. and Straight up. um, Absolutely. Ready to go crush it. So thanks again, brother. Absolutely, man. You're awesome. All right. We're out. What's up, Comeback Stories family? It's Donnie dropping in here. So did you know that Darren and I's relationship started by me being his personal development, mindfulness, and mindset coach? I want to let you know about both my one-on-one coaching program, The Shift, and my group mastermind, Elevate Your Purpose. These coaching programs are specifically designed for people who are ready to take the next step in their purpose and level up their career, personal finances, and have more connected, deep, and meaningful relationships. My gift and part of my purpose is to help others take that next step in leveling up their lives so that they can have a greater impact on the lives of others, create success that's sustainable yet evolves and grows and help build a legacy that will outlive your life. If this is calling you, just go to donnystarkins.com and apply for either one of my programs.